You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. If you're like most Americans, you have a credit card that offers some sort of rewards. Hotel points, airline miles, cash back. I have one. I just used points to book a vacation for the first time, and it felt fun. But then I read Emily Stewart's Vox story on the ugly truth behind those fancy points. It lays out where those points come from and who actually pays for them. This is where things get a little bit complicated and, frankly, upsetting. Here's Emily to explain. Hi, Emily. Hey, Adam. So you recently dug into some research about credit card rewards programs. What did you find? Basically, credit card rewards programs reward well-off people, often to the detriment of the poor. I'm not saying that all rich people use rewards cards and that no poor people have credit cards. What I am saying is that the research shows that high-income consumers are likelier to have fancy rewards cards, and low-income consumers are likelier to paying cash. Basically, kind of the headline here is high-end consumers pay an average about $13 less per month, and low-income consumers pay about $0.60 more per month, kind of in the retail scheme. So you're talking about like the money people spend in stores. How exactly does that work? So when you pay with any credit card, there's something called an interchange fee, which is basically kind of a small percentage of the amount of your purchase, $10, $20, $1,000, whatever, and a flat fee. And so that is how the credit card companies make money here. So every time your card is swiped, the bank charges, say, the grocery store or the restaurant. So basically, you know, like the grocery store, the restaurant, whatever, they want to make money. They don't want to lose money on these swipe fees. And so what they do is they raise prices on all of their products. So that means that somebody who is going to the grocery store or the restaurant or whatever and is using cash or a debit card where the fees are lower kind of subsidize the perks going to these credit card users who tend to be richer. Everybody gets passed down the higher prices, but I'm getting back cash back or whatever rewards when I'm using my credit card. You paying cash, you're not getting anything back. You're just subsidizing me. So when I'm at the bodega and I pay with my rewards card, I'm getting points. But the guy behind me who's paying in cash is actually paying a little bit more. Exactly. But we also know that credit cards have all kinds of fees. Could some of those fees, like late fees or interest fees, be used to pay for rewards? Credit card issuers sort of make money in three different ways. So we know like the late fees when you pay late or interest on um, you know your balance or sometimes the annual fee if you do have a nicer credit card. 
But what we really see with some of these rewards is that they do come from the interchange fees, at least um, some of them. So I think a good example that a guy at Brookings Institution named Aaron Klein points to is American Express. So in 2018, they made $24 billion just in swipe fees, just those interchange fees that we talked about, right? And some of that money goes back to customers in the form of rewards, a lot of it, actually. So about $10 billion in 2018. So this is a lot of money. And I do think it's important to note one of the experts I talked to for this in talking about rewards was like, listen, the way to really make money off of rewards is if you pay off your credit card every month. Um, If you have a big balance on your credit card, uh, most of the time, like that's eating into whatever cash back or whatever points you're getting. A question about fees. Do, do like fancier rewards cards have higher fees? Yes. The fancier the rewards card, the higher the fee. And so let's circle back to how poorer Americans are subsidizing the rewards for richer Americans. And it, again, it seems like the fancier the card, the more rewards, the more subsidizing is happening here. Uh, isn't this also just kind of a, a cash versus credit conversation? I mean, it is a little bit. You know, about 7 in 10 Americans have at least one credit card. A lot of people have multiple credit cards. And it is to a certain extent that, right? But again, like what we really see when you look at the data, what we see is that well-off people are much likelier to use these these fancier credit cards. And, and that makes sense, right? Because like if I have a lot of money, if I'm well-off, chances are my credit's a little bit better, right? I'm going to have a higher credit limit. Um, and so you just have this thing that isn't necessarily intentional. And it doesn't mean like if you go to the bodega and use your fancy rewards card, you should feel terrible about yourself. But it is just kind of a a point of fact that a person who's using cash is kind of giving money to like your next vacation. And what about bonus points? Like if I get 60,000 points for signing up for a new credit card, maybe one that has a really high annual fee, how does that contribute to the problem? I mean, there certainly has been kind of a race among credit card companies in recent years to entice the most people with all sorts of bonuses and things like that. Um, And I will say I I talked to one person who said companies have tried to slow down on that a little bit, at least temporarily, because they started to figure out that people were figuring out how to game the system. But, you know, this probably does contribute to the problem overall that companies really want more customers. They really want more people to use their cards. And these rewards are really a way to to bring people on board. Well, you write in your article that this isn't the only way the financial system is stacked. What else is going on that's going to upset me? <laughs> Specific to rewards, not necessarily to upset you, but there are some just different ways that it's stacked. So most of the time, the rewards, like the cashback, are not taxed. And so I'm getting back money that I'm not getting taxed on. And so again, like the more money I spend, kind of the bigger tax benefit here. You know, I do think we also need to think about how these interchange fees are not the same for a big business or a small business. So a lot of the time, the bigger businesses, the Walmarts, the Targets, the Costcos of the world, they can negotiate lower swipe fees, right? And they can also probably eat up some costs in a different way than like your mom and pop grocery store can't or would rather not. And I actually did hear from 
someone um, after I wrote this story who's a small business owner who said, listen, what we used to do was that we would offer a cash discount of about 10% to anybody paying cash, obviously, and then we jacked up all of our prices, which is something that you know small businesses do to have to deal with this. They could also do a surcharge, which you sometimes see at, at gas stations. But, you know, consumers are much happier to take a discount than they are to pay a surcharge. And I think there's a lot of concern that if if businesses do surcharge, you know, for using a credit card, that people are just going to not do business there. You know, there is a potential policy fix that would be to put a cap on interchange fees, um, which happened in Dodd-Frank in 2010 for for debit cards. I think that the trade-off there that you and I would want to think about is that once that happens, that means the rewards go away. The minute that we start to, to cap interchange fees, that means like your miles are gone or they're less or the cash back or whatever. And now you might think that's a worthwhile kind of trade-off. I personally kind of think that, but but it certainly is a trade-off. So like I said at the top of the episode, I did just use points for the first time. I saved them up all throughout the pandemic, and I used them to book my first post-vaccination vacation. Should I feel terrible for doing that? Or what can I personally do to kind of not contribute to this problem? I mean, I think a general rule, don't feel terrible. I've I kind of had a thought about this. I just got my first fancy rewards card probably like three, four months ago. I think, A, it's good to just be aware of this. This is a thing that we should know about and think about because there are a lot of systemic issues in the financial system. I think in the day-to-day, like the piece of advice, at least I've been telling myself, is stop paying at the bodega with a fancy rewards card. Like, full stop. Have some cash on hand when it is a small business, when I know that it's A, going to hurt the business and, and, you know, it's going to hurt somebody else who isn't as well off as I am and lucky enough to have, you know, a credit card that's going to ultimately cost them money that, I mean, they certainly don't owe me. To be fair, I did stop using my credit card, any credit card at the bodega. They used to have a minimum, and I asked the guy behind the counter about it one time. He explained that they just don't make enough money off of those smaller purchases to be able to take the card. So I just started paying in cash. And actually recently, they started adding the fees on top of whatever you buy. So there's not a minimum. But if you pay with a card, they're just going to charge you 50 extra cents. Well, good for them. That's how it should be. If you're still going to pay with your card, who cares? Emily Stewart, you can read her story at Vox.com. Thanks, Emily. Thanks for having me. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.